Welcome to Actually Qualified, the podcast by AWPT University that shifts from influence to impact. Each week, we bring you impactful conversations with qualified guests and industry leaders, inspiring both seasoned experts and newcomers in the fitness, health, and business arena. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions bridging the gap between knowledge and practice, because at AWPT University, we believe those with qualified education and experience should have the biggest influence. Join us on Actually Qualified every week as we elevate what it truly means to be actually qualified in the industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Actually Qualified podcast. I'm your host this week, Tara McKenzie, and I am so excited to be bringing you this episode with Taya. It's such a special one today. We talk all about the power and the importance of evolution, how we can grow and evolve as a coach, and then let our clients come with us on that journey. We talk about Taya's experience competing um, in the bodybuilding space. We talk about her journey as a coach and so, so much more. As I said, this is such a lovely conversation. I'm sure you're all going to love Taya and I can't wait to get into this episode. So here we go. Hello, Taya. Welcome to the Actually Qualified podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. (laughs) How are you going today? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I've just had work this morning, so in the bit of a lull for the middle of the day, but yeah, it came to chat to you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, we were just chatting off air about the joys of in-person training and how like the hours are just so all over the place and how there often is that like lull in the middle of the day where just like the brain shuts <laughs> off and then yeah. all you want to do is just like ooze out other people's energy yeah yeah um but then you feel guilty for not being able to like not working it yeah it's like even though we don't work nine to five hours we still feel like we need to work in those hours between nine to five (laughs) exactly like if I'm just sitting watching tv in the middle of the day I feel so guilty but then equally I'm like but I'm gonna be working for another three hours later tonight so yeah you've probably already done rest time (laughs) yeah you've probably already done like six hours and people are just starting work or doing exactly sometimes (laughs) I think about that actually to be fair like when I um am doing like my fourth PT client of the morning and it's only like 10 a.m. And I'm like, why do I feel like I've lived an entire day and I haven't even had breakfast yet? Literally. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. (laughs) But otherwise, let's jump straight into the quickfire questions. Basically, this is a segment where I'm just going to throw a lot of random questions at you, help us get to know you a little bit more. Um, The first one being, if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? I'm such a sucker for RDLs. Like I love a Romanian deadlift, any deadlift, but RDLs definitely top it. I just feel like it's the best bang for your buck exercise. And yeah, I really enjoy it. So that's, that's the number one. I agree. And are you thinking like with a, a barbell RDL or are you thinking barbell, dumbbell? Yeah, I like a barbell yeah. RDL. Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> what is one daily habit or routine that contributes to your overall well-being that's not your fitness routine? Journaling. I feel like I'm very big with that. And if you do know me, then you probably know that I'm very big about journaling. So I just feel like it gives me an outlet for my thoughts and allows me to really slow down. So I would say that has a massive impact on how I even just show up for the day. So amazing. And when you journal, I mean, I've seen on your profile that you often do sort of different prompts for yourself and like for your clients, but is that how you go about your journal sort of practice is it with prompts mostly or do you free flow or is it like a dear diary here's my day (laughs) 
Um, most it's a mind dump. Um, and mm-hmm. I might use the, I guess like the prompt you could say is like, what's got my attention for today. And then I just kind of go from there. Like, what, what am I focusing on? What do I potentially need to challenge and a bit of a reflection? I do like to add in some like gratitude and also maybe like an affirmation. Um, but for the most part, it's just a mind dump. I do like prompts and I probably do them like maybe once a week, I might do like some sort of deep dear diary prompt kind of thing. Um, but yeah, daily, it's just more of a mind dump and see where I'm at for the day. I love it. And do you ever look back on those journal entries? Yeah, I do. It's it's actually really cute to kind of go back to the person that I was like a few years ago and see how much had changed. So yeah, I think if people don't do it, I think that they should all the time. A hundred percent. If you're a client I, of mine, I'm always like, journal. Get on the journal. Yeah, yeah, no, I love a good journal as well. I have been really slack with it for like the last year. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was growing up, I was a massive like dear diary journaler yeah. and it's yeah. so funny to look back on it like I was looking back on an entry from when I was in year nine or yeah. maybe year eight and I'd like just gotten my braces on and I'd oh. obviously been like in a phase where I was reading all of the like Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging books yeah. so I'd really <laughs> taken on her voice and so the entries are like ugh I'm lying in my bed of pain on the corner of Loserville and Ugly Street. <laughs> oh my god! Listen and to that. So funny. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually journal when I was younger. It more so became a thing when I got older. But man, I wish I had some from when I was younger. What went through my head? <laughs> it takes yeah. like the you know the preteen awkward face photos to a whole new level because you realize that the brain capacity was just like not there either (laughs) yeah yeah it's probably like writing in your missus whoever your crush was that day and things like that yeah um now if you had a theme song um that played every time you entered a room what would it be and why theme song um Oh my god, this is so lame. The one that I have been sort of playing it's because I watched that movie lately. I'm um, you know that Unwritten by Natasha <laughs> Benningfield. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Literally, I would say that. I was running on the treadmill listening to that song this morning and can confirm it made me run faster and yeah, not much love can. It. What is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure would have to be I'm actually a really big sucker for banana and peanut butter. Like love it. <laughs> So weird, but I'm obsessed with it. Like lather so much peanut butter on that banana and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) Do you put it on anything else? Like I love a bit of banana and peanut butter on toast or like banana and peanut butter on the corn thin stuff or do you just like go full sundae? Mm. Yeah, but sometimes it's just lather it on and eat it. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. It's definitely a winning snack. The best combo. 100% agree. (laughs) Now, if you could train with any fictional character, whether it's from a movie, a book or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. who would it be and what kind of workout do you think you'd do? That's a really interesting one. <laughs> um, it's so random. Yeah, it is really random. Um, I think a fictional character, like the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the movie Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like train with one of them just because of how cool I feel like the what they do and how fun that would be. I feel like it'd probably be more like 
I don't know, I guess a gymnasticky kind of workout. Not that I'm yeah. a gymnast whatsoever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe you like would be after really training fun. with them. Literally. I mean, I think I did it when I was five years old for like two years. But <laughs> Yeah, didn't we all? It was like yeah. the sort of running around the scouts hall kind of thing, doing yeah. like random gymnastics exercises. Last question. In your experience, what's one common misconception about female-specific training and nutrition that you'd like to debunk? Uh, oh, okay. Can it be more like female health, I guess? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to, I guess, get more information out there to girls that like the pill doesn't regulate your period. That's like a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. That's something that we talk a lot about um, within the AWPT community is yeah. contraception and just like having um, the awareness and the education of sort of what that means, whether it like is quote unquote regulating your hormones, whether it is, you know, like yep. what it's impacting. Is it a birth control option or are you using it to cover or um, combat other symptoms? All of yeah. that kind of stuff. It's just being able to make informed choices. Yeah, that's what I'm about. It's like I'm not against the pill or anything. I'm more like pro-choice, but I'm very much like I feel like growing up there was the wrong information sort of delivered to me when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I was a kid really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just wish that there was more information that were given to girls of like this is what it actually does so they understood their bodies a little bit more because I certainly mm. didn't. No, me neither. <laughs> I remember yeah. going into GPs and being like, my skin's bad and I haven't had a period in six months. And they're yeah. like – how about the pill? pill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think I used to complain about like period pain and he would just be like, just skip it. And I'm like, surely there's something like going on here. Like, (laughs) yeah. A hundred percent. But that's kind of, it's the case with everything. It's just providing people with the education so that they can make their own informed choices. I had a client message me last week about some kind of supplement that was supposedly like a hormone balancing supplement vitamin thing and I was like oh dear (laughs) yeah yeah and you have to be so careful I guess with those things it's because like it's a really blanket coverage thing then like you could be taking the wrong supplements if it's just like that blanket coverage so like if you don't get tested to see what hormones are out or what you actually need then that could be doing the total opposite of what you need so exactly that was exactly what I said I'm like how about we actually get your bloods tested um so that you can figure out if anything needs balancing in the first place or whether you know you're just about to experience menopause yeah (laughs) Um, yeah Yeah. um but yeah those are all of our quick fire questions for today getting into the meat of the episode I guess I would love to know a little bit more about you what you do your story as a coach um how you started what you love all of that good stuff yeah beautiful um, yeah, so my name's Taya Bull. Previously, I was Taya Pig Advance, but I just got married last year. <laughs> um, I'm a online health coach, but I also am a personal trainer at, out of the PT Center in Katara, Newcastle. Um, so I do work face-to-face and online. My journey with coaching, well, my journey in fitness really probably started in 2018. Um, and it, I was in the bodybuilding scene for quite a while. So I was in the bodybuilding scene from probably 2018 to 2022 was my last show with IFBB Um, and then I've really changed as a coach going all through that stage so I got into fitness um, probably pretty much like everyone just wanting to change my body and then I really found the love for just like how I grew not only in the gym but as a person Um, and then I was actually working in corporate before I became a coach so 
it was kind of just like my hobby and I knew that I loved it. I really wasn't enjoying the job that I was in, but I was so scared to go out on my own into coaching. Um, I did start doing like the face-to-face like classes and things like that on the side. And then that was just like one day there, I was just like, I just have to go all in. And I just had to get over my limiting belief and just really push past that. So um, yeah, I went all in and I've never looked back. I think it's been like over three years now. Um, that I've had train with Taya like online. So yeah, that's really cool. And yeah, as I said, as I've grown as a coach, so have, I guess, my my morals, my values and, and what I really focus on and maybe my clientele. I feel like I still do have a bit of a mixture, but I really love helping girls become like their healthiest, most, most confident self. So um, I definitely struggled with a few things coming out of bodybuilding in terms of my health. I have lost my period twice actually before um, in bodybuilding and also from when I came off the pill, it did take me a, a long time to get that back. Um, and there was also things that came up around like my body image, my eating habits, um, also just my mindset. And I had to really work through that. And I noticed that it comes up with a lot of girls these days. So that's probably where I'm at mostly now is really helping girls with their relationship with their body, their food, helping them be confident, um, helping them find like a lifestyle that's going to work for them. And I'll always look out for yeah their health first and foremost in my coaching. So yeah. Amazing. And mm-hmm. in terms of your sort of ideal client or the, the clients that you work with the most being the, those types of girls, are they predominantly people that have also come out of the competition space or is it a bit more of like a gen pop client that just because I mean everybody has their own relationship with their body yeah I mean it's actually not always competitors because funnily funnily enough it's so many women have the same issues like so many women have body image issues or confidence issues and have still like overtrained or under eaten and fallen into sort of that diet trap like it's it's scary almost how much it does affect so many people um but I think like as a coach because I have gone through that I understand what they're feeling like and they can really then feel someone's there and someone can understand and I can give them the right tools um because I know when I went through my journey as well, like I, I did have a coach and he did help out with like the health side of things. Um, but I also then had someone else on the side who was doing a lot of personal development work with me. And if I did not have that person, I don't think that I actually would have ever got my period back because of my mindset and my perception of things still would have been warped because I was still conscious about my body and I was still conscious about food and things like that. And you have to change the behaviors that you had, like to be able to get through all of that as well. So. A hundred percent. And I'd love to sort of like go back a little bit in your sort of timeline in terms of how you got into fitness and how you got into that space to begin with. You said you sort of, you started like, like most people coming in wanting to sort of change the appearance, change the, um, the, the physical side of things. Mm. Were you someone who was sporty growing up or? Yeah, I was, I was sporty growing up. So I played a lot of netball and I did dancing and things like that. But honestly, I was, I would, I was an absolute nightmare for my (laughs) mum. I didn't eat quote unquote healthy. I was probably really um, playing with my foods. I hated vegetables. Like I remember the only reason I really started eating vegetables because it was like a social thing for me. And I hated going to friends' houses and being like, I don't eat vegetables. So I started eating like peas and corn whole because I was like, I just have to do this. It was a mindset thing, but I'm good now. I love vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, growing up, I was definitely sporty. And then I got into, well, how I started in the gym was I actually started training with my partner and 
doing the typical bro split, I was kind of like, okay, I kind of want to train like a girl. I want to grow my booty, like stuff like that. And I found Rachel Dillon. So yeah, that was probably like 2017. I was actually when she did one-on-one clients actually. And um, I started training with her and then I loved because she was WBFF then. So I actually did my first show, my first and my second show with WBFF. Um, and it kind of just grew from there. I got very into it. My life started really revolving around it as well. And then, um, I then went in to do IFBB, but it took me three preps, I think, to get to that stage just because wow. everything fell with like COVID and, and whatnot. So that was a pretty intense period for me, I feel, because I was constantly in and out of that yo-yo dieting kind of thing. And it really took a toll on my body. Just not only like it's how the sport grew and how much you have to do to sort of get to stage now, how lean you have to get, how everything really does, your life has to revolve around it. So I unfortunately did lose my period because of uh, the yo-yo dieting. And like I said, that was actually my second time because the first time it was after I came off the pill. Um, and then, yeah, the second time was just the hypothalamic amenorrhea that happened. So yeah and I actually held a lot of shame and guilt around that because of my values and I do love health and I am a very big advocate for that so when that I guess like happened to me I was really yeah judgmental of myself and I had to work really hard to get over that and be like you know what like you at that time you were doing the best that you could that was your goal and it's really hard when you are in that I guess competition prep it's all you see so you just think you'll deal with it later but yeah no a hundred percent and how did you go about doing all of that prep because three rounds of prep Mm. sort of in a row is insane at you know at the best of times but you know a lot of people that are in comp or coaches that are also doing you know comp and prep and stuff like that their whole life can kind of revolve around their health and their fitness and their food and all of that kind of stuff but if at that stage you were still working full-time in a corporate yep. job, how did you like balance all of that or you didn't? <laughs> um, I, so I worked in a bank and at that time, so the, when I did my first stint of prep, uh, we went into lockdown. So I, I was very naive. I was just like, nope, I'm going through with it. We're not going to be in COVID for however many years that we were. Um, and I just trained at home. Like we had equipment at home that um, me and my partner would train out of. And I was lucky enough that with my job, we did a lot of working from home. So yeah, it kind of all really muddled together. I hated having everything in one place, but I just made it work. Like I remember with cardio and things like that, I would run to the stairs and like do stair things for cardio. And like, I would just, it was kind of just like a no brainer. Like my life really did end up revolving around it all. So, mm-hmm. but um, to get through the different preps, because obviously I got to the end of or close to the end of the first one and um, the shows were canceled and then I came out of it. So I reversed a little bit out. I wouldn't say, com- I guess a little bit, but it was always in the back of my mind that there's going to be another show coming up. So you were always kind of on. And then, um, yeah, the next round of preps come and the same thing happened. We went back into lockdown and it got cancelled again. And then it was the last one, so competed in 2022. And I was like, I just have to do this. Like, I put so much into this. And I did really love it and I really did want to win. But I could tell that, like, it was really getting harsh on my body with just, like, how much I was coming in and out of a dieting phase, that constant yo-yo diet and, like, stress and pressure that I was also putting on myself. Yeah. Yeah. And because did you find that at that phase in terms of the the pressure of it and and how much you were sort of 
loving it or not loving it at that phase. Did you know going into that sort of third one that you were like, I think this is going to be the last one? Um, I didn't, like I said, I truly, I still love bodybuilding. Um, Mm. I just don't think that my body can handle what it is required, I guess. Um, I am 29. So when I had that goal in IFBB, like I really did want to take it as far as I could. I wanted to go to the Olympia, but to be realistic with myself, that wasn't going to be like a one to two year goal. That was obviously going to be like a five plus year goal. And considering that I was like I don't know if I can do this to my body for that many years because I knew that I did want to have kids eventually so I had to be realistic with myself um I never announced this publicly but I know going into the end of my last prep and I said if I place at this sorry no, I didn't say place if I win this show and I win my pro card I will continue on and I'll put my all into this And if I don't, I'm not sure when the next time will be that I get up on stage. So I didn't say that to anyone because I was still all in and I didn't let that hold me back from how much I was putting into it. Um, But I did have that in the back of my mind that I wasn't sure how that was going to go. And I came second. (laughs) So I was close, but um, yeah, so I came second and then I was like, okay, well, I think it's time that I need to have a break and I need to give back to my body and my partner. Um, we were engaged at that point so I knew that I was going to get married and I think like over time it just sort of matured and I did realize a little bit how much I was missing out on and how much my life had sort of changed when it wasn't completely revolving around that Um, then again also how much work I had to do with my personal development and and my body image and how much work I did there so I think it just changed and I I, I never say never but I won't (laughs) again. Yeah. Very fair. And and we talk a lot about this idea of sort of mental real estate and how and like with both gen pop clients mm-hmm. or just anyone, you know, when we're so wrapped up in this idea of of food and calories and macros and workouts and exercise and like that's our whole life. There's so little space in the brain for anything else and you get sort of decision paralysis on anything else. And, you know, obviously working with the clients that we do, that's something that we're trying to, you know, not, I don't know if preach is the right word, but help them come to a sort of the realization of how did your life or your business changed when you were able to free up some of that mental real estate? Oh my God, it was incredible. Um, I know going into my shows, like I had to put a cap on clients that I could take on because I didn't, like you said, like I had brain fog, like I was heavily depleted. So I wasn't able to have that space to be able to put the effort into my clients. And then on the other side of that, it was just amazing to be able to take on clients, have energy to do things, put effort back into my business and realize that like, okay, whoa, this is what it feels like to have a little bit of energy and give back to other people as well. So it definitely did change. I was able to take on more clients. I was able to then like come up with new ideas. I had energy to film content. I had energy to do all this stuff and I didn't have that before. So yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's such an interesting kind of conversation to have this idea of mental real estate. And I wonder too how your coaching style, your coaching values or the stuff that you sort of talk about and work with your clients, how that changed when your mindset changed. Because I find often we attract, Mm. you know, the kinds of clients or the people in our life based on where we're at in our life. Um, Obviously, because like our values change and sort of the style of coaching changes and all of that kind of stuff. So 
you know, potentially when you were in that sort of heavy bodybuilding phase in your life, like those are the style of clients that you were attracting or that ethos around tracking your food, doing certain types of workout, like discipline, all of that kind of stuff is going to be the ethos. But then, you know, when you're a bit more about balance, when you're more into the personal development stuff, like that is going to filter into how you work with your clients too. Yeah, 100%. I'm definitely a big believer in like when you put out your authenticity into the world, that is the type of client or the type of people that you're going to attract into your life. And that was a a big thing I kind of struggled with actually coming out of bodybuilding. I was like, I had my identity completely wrapped up in bodybuilding and people would meet me and be like, you're Taylor the bodybuilder. And I didn't know who I was without it. Like I'd done it for so many years. And like you said, I'd preached it for so many years and I'd done all this stuff. And I was like, well, who am I now that I'm not doing it anymore? So that was definitely a little bit of a struggle. And I still had that balance within my clients because I'm, I wasn't, I'm not a heavy comp prep coach or anything like that. I still have just lifestyle clients. Um, But I think the more I started to share my journey about what I was going through, it started attracting different clients to me and being like, they understood what I went through. And even bodybuilders, like I've, I've worked with people I've even competed against. I've worked with them to help them get their period back and help them with their relationship with food and their body and post that. So um, I totally agree that it definitely shifted, um, but I'm so happy with the clients that I get to work with now and it is really fulfilling to me, like um, knowing each week that they might send me something and be like, oh, my God, I got my period back or, oh, my God, I could actually go out and have a meal and um, just not be sick over it or I wouldn't have any, like, stress or anxiety. Like that lights me up so much, you know, that I'm having such a positive impact on the world rather than just being like, that's not good enough. You have to do this. You have to do that. And again, I just want to put out that I don't hate bodybuilding. I love bodybuilding. And I still work with a couple of girls that are in the bodybuilding space. A lot of my friends are still in the bodybuilding space. I just know that like in my journey, it was kind of like the end for me there. Yeah, fair enough. And that's that's the thing though, is that like, because life and careers and whatnot can be so long, like you are going to have different phases in your life, Mm. in your career, in your sort of coaching business that look different depending on where you're at in your, in your life. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Actually Qualified podcast. I'm Kayla, the founder of AWPT University. And if you're here, you're probably a dedicated fitness professional, personal trainer, or online coach who aspires to create an impact in the women's health and fitness industry through up-leveling your knowledge and skills, servicing your clients to the highest standard, and building a business that changes both you and your clients' lives. Because we value your continuous education and want to reward our podcast listeners who are committed to their growth and learning, we want to gift you $200 off our OG AWPT 8-week certification. This comprehensive online course covers women's anatomy and biomechanics, training and programming, female health and nutrition, training during pregnancy and postpartum, perimenopause, and so much more. Visit www.awptuniversity.com today and use the code AWPTPODCAST, one word and all uppercase, at checkout. We've also linked it in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. When it came to this this new chapter that you sort of transitioned to post bodybuilding, if you will, how, I mean, you touched on it a little bit there in terms of how you rebranded and about this sort of authenticity piece, but how did you sort of go about that from like a behind the scenes perspective or even a social media perspective? Because I'm assuming Mm -hmm. 
you would have built up a lot of your personal brand online and your audience online when you were in that bodybuilding space and so as you say like that's what people kind of knew you for how did you go about transitioning your content like did you make a big announcement or was it sort of like a gradual kind of thing as you were yeah going about your journey um I would say it was probably still a gradual thing because I was still sharing and I feel like even the post-show sort of phase like that still talked about quite a lot and about the the things that come up around like your body image and gaining weight so that was still a very big part of part of it all for me um and I think I was just expressing how I felt and like this is when journaling was absolutely massive like I pretty much had to have my journal on me 24 7 because it I would really struggle with stuff so like and I think it was stuff that like made fit made people feel like safe and made people feel like I'm not alone in this feeling and so more people started saying like I guess gravitating towards that more people like that realness and it was really hard for me to sort of put out that sort of stuff because it is it is confronting or it is like this isn't my best me in in a way like the best you has always been like the shredded you the disciplined you like we're always showing the highlights so to some people this could have been like the total opposite end of the spectrum but it made more people come to me and be like wow she's actually very real and I can relate to her a lot more than just like this high standard of discipline and shreddedness and and whatnot so I felt like it just yeah brought a different kind of world of people to me but also the people that were still in that bodybuilding world they could still relate to that new version of me because they still go through phases um Mm. and I think maybe it just helped other people go like oh maybe I can share more of this side of me as well um so it wasn't definitely a a rebrand like I'm just going to start sharing this thing it was kind of just like I'm going to share my journey of what I feel like and it just kind of grew into that like people started knowing like people don't meet me now and go like you're the bodybuilder they just go like oh my god you're all about body image personal development you know so much about women's health like I was sharing a lot about um how I didn't have my period and I was sharing about what I was doing for this and I shared when I did get it and like people would ask me questions and DM me all the time. So it was just being like really open and honest about stuff that was very personal for me. Um, and But it also created a safe space. So the more I was being open and genuine about it, it also then made me feel not alone because like I said, when I had that identity shift of like, am I still going to be relevant almost like because I'm not in the bodybuilding industry anymore? Um, it, it, I guess like it, not created a space but it showed me another space that I can be in so Mm. there's not just like a a black and white or a one-size-fits-all and how you said you grow through your journey like it's okay to grow and change and as you grow as a coach or as you learn more things as a coach like the way you show up is just going to be different and I think it's really important to be like that's okay you don't have to be what you were five years ago yeah 100% I think you raised so many amazing points there about this sort of the allowing yourself to have an evolution as a coach and also as a person and like I think that's the great thing about the coaching space and being a sole trader or being a service-based business is that people are buying or want to work with you because of Mm. you and because of your journey and how they resonate with you and how you can empathize with them and all of that kind of stuff and so it's going to be a constant evolution and that journey is going to constantly change and the people that you're going to attract are going to change as well um and also as you grow then you can not only attract new clients but you know you can also keep the ones that you had previously but you can just relate to more people yeah um 
And I also think you may, you brought up a really great point earlier about this idea of your self-worth as a coach Mm. being sort of linked to your body and your body image. And I think that that is something that happens to so, so many coaches um, and it creates quite a complex for people because like as PTs and as coaches, we're so health quote unquote and fitness quote unquote unquote. And so I think so many people get warped in this idea of like my body has to look like someone who is super fit and healthy and or or whatever it is or someone who's super shredded or super toned or has all of this muscle and or whatever it is. It has to reflect this idea that like we have of a really fit person because people are going to like look at us and buy from us because they want to look or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that that is something that happens to so many coaches and it's why so many people in this coaching space end up with potentially disordered eating Mm. behaviors or um, body image behaviors and all of that kind of stuff. We did actually our episode from a couple of weeks ago was with a um, eating disorder dietitian and lots of the dietitians that I've spoken to that work in that space have said that a lot of their clients are personal trainers and coaches Um, because it's, yeah, it's so, so prevalent. So how did you go about, I guess, like disassociating from that identity and, and being more than your body online, especially online, especially on social media where we're obviously it's image based or video based. And so we're trying to like put forth a, a body or ourselves. Yeah. Um, so obviously when I was coming out of it, I actually got sick. Like I didn't have my period. I had issues with my thyroid. So there was a lot going on. I got COVID straight after my show too. So instantly straight away, I went from like very high activity, very low food to then being locked up in house in lockdown, not doing any activity, very sick. So I felt like straight away, um, I did uh, put on a little bit of weight. Like I think it was like two kilos. Like I know it, I know it doesn't sound like a whole lot at the beginning, but for me, I was like, no, used to reversing, like very good, I guess. And like putting on a little, a bit of weight every so often. And straight away when I was up two kilos and I got on that scale, it freaked me out. Um, and so I can definitely relate to being like I had disordered tendencies and I can recognize that now, like probably in the moment I probably didn't want to, um, but I can definitely recognize that now. And over time, um, I had to make sure that like the person or the people that I was working with, the one had to have my best interests at heart, so health. So um, I, the coach at the time, um, he was a comp prep coach and I, I remember feeling like quite anxious to like check in with him because I know that that's what his values and philosophy is like and that's great, that's, that's what he does as a coach. So I ended up moving away um, from him just so I could focus on my health because getting my period back was my number one priority and that's what I really had to anchor to um and not just like link it to my body I had to really use my journal I had to use a lot of affirmations I had to sit with my feelings and not avoid them and I just had to keep showing up and being like you know what the way that you've been living is keeping you in the space that you are with no period brittle hair no energy brain fog like you don't want that anymore so something has to change so I had to make sure that the people that were in my life were definitely supporting of that um so coaches like I said I had a coach who worked with like my nutrition training blood side of things and then I had someone um who I worked with in regards to personal development to sort of heal that inside of 
separating that identity um and that that came from many things but mostly it was just like healing and getting down to like the nitty-gritty of like why did I not think I was good enough or why did I think that my worth was before that and reframing and changing these thoughts so um and that's that wasn't an overnight thing that was a lot of work (laughs) and every time there was new challenges like I remember putting on a pair of jeans or something that I'd wore when I was in like my prep, like very close to show and they wouldn't do up. And that absolutely tore me. Like it was like little triggers that continued to come up in sort of my journey that I was like, okay, it's okay. And I just had to like calm down, reassure myself and like reach out to those who were close to me. And again, reaffirm of what was most important to me anymore and what I didn't want. Um, I actually look back at the photos now. It's just so funny. I, how lean I was and like I don't even like that look now but like when you're in it it's like you can't see anything else like I I look so much younger now like when I was leaner like I looked um a lot older and yeah like I just I don't I feel sorry for that girl now like I hold so much compassion for the person that I was and how I showed up and I know that I did the best that I could and I never regret any experience that I went through because it completely made me who I am today and without going through I wouldn't be the person I would coach I am um, but I can hold so much compassion for that going on, but there are a lot of tears. There are a lot of emotion that kind of went through that, but I had to go through it to get through it. So I guess showing up on social media, it was, it was actually helpful for me to be able to share that part. Like, yes, it was scary as hell. Like the first time I ever started sharing, I guess like that real part of me, um, vulnerability actually used to be a very hard thing for me. I, I used to put on a bit of a mask and like a, I can just help myself kind of thing. and. Um, I think I've now realized that like being vulnerable shows strength. Like I, it's not a weakness. It's actually so much strength to put yourself out there. And when I did start doing that, like you said, I, I attracted these different people into my life who understood what I was going through. So I was no longer alone and it no longer felt like such a scary place. Like it, it made me feel like, oh, this is okay to be like this. Like people, like I know it's external validation, but people were still giving me praise for how I looked. And I was like, well, maybe I don't have to look like that. Like it was sharing my journey and, and showing them that like, I'm still enough. Like I'm still the same person and that bodybuilding wasn't my identity or my body isn't my identity. It's just what I look like. And it's just what I do. It was a hobby. Um, mm. And there's more to me. So it allowed me to show like different sides. I was then able to connect more with friends and family in like a different way. And I think just gradually showing that with people around you, you'll start attracting those different people and you'll start to feel really safe because that's what it's all about is making yourself feel safe enough to show that side of you. Um, And I actually found, like I said, I found it a bit like therapeutic and even talking with my clients, like talking to them about like how they can show up in the way for their body and how they can challenge their relationship with food. That also helped peel me back because I was talking about it so much. Like I was talking about it, about the benefits and, and it was reminding me every day of what was important. Um, another really big key thing I did is I know I talked about like the people who were coaching you and stuff like that, but also the people I followed on social media. Um, obviously I was heavily bodybuilder focused. So I started changing. I, I really engaged with different accounts. So just pay attention to like, what's on your feed. Is it making you feel better about yourself or is it making you feel worse? Is it, um, I guess, highlighting key tendencies around disordered behavior around food and things like that, or is it a supporting body image? And I really changed with who I did sort of um, connect with. And that helped a lot because it wasn't in my face all the time about bodybuilding. So Mm. I remember, I think there was a show like later that year and 
someone was like, I was talking to a friend about it and she's like, oh, do you know this person? This person? I was like, I haven't really followed it too much. Like I really just changed all my following and who I, not like unfollowed people because those people are still my friends, but what I started engaging with really changed. And again, that supported my environment to be able to just like feel safe enough to be where I am now. So yeah, yeah, and I think that applies with so many different areas as well. This like this sort of comparison trap that mm-hmm. can obviously, you know, play out with with body image and all of that kind of stuff, but even from a business perspective in terms of comparing the way that, you know, you do business versus the way that, you know, this PT does business or even from a social mm. media perspective in the way that you sort of like put out content if you're following certain people yeah. and then if they do like purely education-based content, whereas other people might do purely like follow along with my workouts or other people do like all of this kind of stuff. And it allows you to just be sort of selective so that you can really focus on like, okay, who am I? What are my values? And what are the kind of messages that I want to be putting out there as well? Because, you know, you, you sort of touched on, and I saw a post that you did recently, you know, comparing your old bodybuilder body with sort of your physique now and and talking about that whole compassion piece and talking about how your your mindset has changed you know now versus them and that's obviously like a big part of the content that you do in general and I feel like your content really does reflect like you and your journey and people can then glean insight from that and take it into their you know their own lives and that obviously filters through I'm sure in the way that you coach and the conversations that you're having with your clients but do you have like is that a conscious decision of yours in terms of like a social media strategy for you know growing or gaining clients or is it really just like okay I did a whole journaling piece today and like this is what I'm feeling I think other people would benefit from this as well. So like, let's make a piece of content about it. My best content comes from stuff like that, where it's just like authentic, genuine. I've journaled about this and it's just like come to me. Um, Like I said, it's kind of like an outlet for me. When I feel forced, I guess, to sort of share something, I struggle. So it almost just doesn't feel natural to me. So I try and like, if I do have these things come up, like that's why like journal prompts and stuff, it will sort of allow me to get like deeper into my emotions. And I know that if I'm feeling this way, that there's probably someone else feeling that way too. Um, So it's great to go back in my journal and like pick little pieces from that. Or it might be just something that I've come across when I'm doing some personal development work or a thought and I might just jot it down in my phone. Um, I have done like social strategies in the past. Like I have worked with someone and sometimes they don't completely align or like get with like what I want completely so I might just like flip it like if there's like a share a a transformation or something that you've done like realistically everyone's thinking a weight loss transformation and how you got there xyz it's like for me it's like well people are following me because they want to see this journey and they want to feel good about themselves so always like if you are following something like that make it relatable to like what you want to share and what feels right for you at that moment because yeah couple of years ago that post could have been different it could have been from the the weight loss journey but now I'm in the stage of like I want to promote this and I want girls to I want to have that positive impact on them that it's not I guess just fueling the content that made me feel bad about myself if that makes sense yeah Yeah. no a hundred percent and I think that's such an important kind of takeaway in terms of all areas of business and I feel like that's been a really 
reoccurring theme throughout this whole conversation is just like doing everything from a genuine and authentic place, both in terms of, you know, social media content, in terms of the messages and values that you're sort of putting out there to your clients, the way that you coach, the, the information that you consume. And as we touched on earlier, allowing yourself to have an evolution and allowing yourself to grow. I know um, our AWPT, AWPT founder, Kayla, always says that, you know, if you don't end up contradicting yourself as a coach, then you're not, you're not growing. growing and you're not learning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. Because like it's, and it's so true that the yeah. stuff that, or the, the way that you coach or the style of coaching or whatever it is that you would have done when you first started coaching or first came into the business is going to be so so different regardless of if you've had like a massive personal journey which like you have oh yeah I think you know everyone who's in the PT space can't look back on themselves five years ago and be like oh yeah oh dear <laughs> yeah 100 where yeah. they looks like that or or is that or on that topic or something like that but your followers, like you said, follow you for you. They want to know what you're doing. They want to know what your beliefs are, what your values are. And if it's not genuine, people just see through that. I feel like they just go, oh, okay, just another, just another TikTok trend, or just another something else trend. So I just feel like the genuine pieces um, just land so much better with people because they can really tell like this is corny, but it's from the heart. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think audiences – more and more are becoming really savvy in terms of being able to see through bullshit on social media for like lack of a better word. Um, And I think that comes through in terms of different sponsorship deals and ads. Like we are becoming more in tune with like realizing when we're being sold to or when we're being lied to or whatever it is. But I think on a more micro level that comes up in terms of just if someone is putting on a mask and creating this whole entire persona, which like to an extent, everybody yeah. is going to have some kind yeah. of persona online. Yeah. Like 100%. It, it's, we're not going to put all of the worst things about ourselves online. On yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah having course. like having that kind of authenticity, which comes up in posting about or doing the things or embodying your own embodying. values. Yeah. Um, I think embodiment is the big piece there, embodying yeah. the values where wherever those values are um, at that phase in your life, I think is, yeah. is the key. Um, and I think that is such an amazing place to wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. This has been such a lovely conversation. And if people are wanting to continue this conversation and follow you along in your journey, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm Taya Bull, T-A-Y-A-H-B-U-L-L with an underscore on Instagram. Um, same on TikTok as well. I'm not super active on TikTok though, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, follow me on Instagram and you can probably find everything from there. <laughs> Amazing. I will have all of that linked in the show notes as always, Beautiful. team. So you can click on that straight away. But otherwise, Taya, thank yeah. you so, so much for coming on the Actually Qualified podcast. As I said, I've absolutely loved this conversation and I know um, our listeners and our audience are going to resonate with it so much. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me on. I've loved it. Thank you for listening to the Actually Qualified podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content. Catch you next time.